My story when I was an athlete was pretty well told. I definitely got into a cycle of painkillers, like to deal with pain and and inflammatories, and I was on a lot of really harsh medications. And when I retired and then had my kids, I made a choice that I wasn't ever going to go back down that road. Like I wasn't going to get caught in that cycle again because I, once I stopped playing and retired and I actually had like clear sort of lane, I really was a different person. Like I felt like I must've been in a fog or something for a long time. I didn't feel like myself. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast to help you live a healthier, more empowered life. And this month, we're celebrating the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup coming to Sydney by highlighting a different player each week in September. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebilagen. By the time Laura Jackson retired due to injury in 2016, she was considered the greatest basketball player Australia had ever produced. She's a four-time Olympic medalist, a three-time WNBA MVP, and the only Australian player inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. But it turns out she's not done yet. Earlier this year... Lauren signed with the semi-pro NBL1 Albury Wodonga Bandits, and in August, she was named in the Opal squad for the FIBA Women's Basketball World Cup, a full 12 years after her last appearance in the competition. In this episode, I chat with the iconic athlete about how she grappled with her demons to pull off this fairy tale comeback by taking it one step at a time. So we're recording this just after your trip to New York for the Opals training camp, and then you also went to Seattle. How was it, and what was it like being back in the green and gold? Uh, You know, uh, the first game that we played against Canada, I was on the bus listening to some music, and I got really emotional. Like, I started crying on the bus, and um, I never thought I'd represent Australia again, or like, truly, I never thought I'd be playing again, nevertheless, at this level. So, um I got super emotional and then I started thinking about my kids and like the sacrifices that they're making, you know, um, for me, which I never wanted to sort of put them in a situation where I wasn't going to be there for them. So, you know, this, this whole, you know, getting fit again venture has definitely taken, you know, a life of its own. And I think just having to sort of like process everything each day, like as it comes, it's definitely been a completely different journey for me than the one that I took, you know, years ago when I was a professional athlete, but it's, yeah, there's been a lot of, I've had a huge amount of support and yeah, but look, obviously very emotional time. It, it was amazing wearing the green and gold again. And, you know, if it happens that I continue wearing it for a little bit longer, that that would be incredibly special, but you know, there's definitely a lot of different emotions and things happening in my head. What was it like then making that decision that you were going to start playing at this level again? It really was one of those things where, you know, in February, I'd only just started training on court and the Aubrey coach sort of said, look, you've come a long way in two months, like in two months time, do you think you'd be able to play? Do you want to sign a contract and play for Aubrey? And at that point in my head, I was like, I'd love to, but my body will never let me. So yeah, sure. If you want me to sign a contract now, I can sell more tickets, you know, get bums on seats, get some members, whatever. I'm, you know, absolutely down for it. And and there was a part of my, because of the injuries that I've had and the things that I've had to go through in my career, there was a part of me that was like, chances are I'm not going to play anyway. So it's, it is what it is. Nothing to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have nothing to lose. And that was my, that's been my whole sort of mind frame this, this whole time, you know, I'm getting fit. It's a win-win for me. So the longer I can sort of keep training and see where it takes me, the 
the greater opportunity I have to get my body back to its old former self and feel good about myself. And it was more about that in the beginning. It was more about letting me get fit again, you know, and trying to lose some weight after I had my kids. And, and then, yeah, it just morphed into this. So, you know, like at that point too, I sort of made a commitment to myself that it was going to be day by day. Like I couldn't look too far ahead because if I did, it would all fall to pieces around me. And I wasn't emotionally ready to think that I could represent Australia again, even though people were talking about it. And that can be verified by a lot of people around me because I think um, at that point when people started talking about it, I, I there were emotional moments, you know, like where my colleagues at work had to talk me through stuff, my parents, um, the people that I'm closest to know that it's been a, a real journey. And like having to go through those milestones has actually given me an opportunity to process everything the way that I need to process it and, and get to this point. So, cause back in February, there's no way I could have even thought about doing this, you know, without breaking down. Yeah. Because it would have been so overwhelming. Like you said, your, your goal was just to get fit again, not necessarily to represent Australia. So yeah, taking one day at a time is even just great advice for anyone listening who wants to get fit again and see where it leads. So then you mentioned also like your injuries were something that you had to consider when you were playing again. How have you been able to manage your past, in, your injuries in your current training? And then also like in the interviews in the past, you've talked about chronic pain and how that's affected your playing as well. Well, look, you know, at the beginning of all of this, I, I was really lucky because I formed a relationship with my trainer here in Aubrey, who he, um, like way back in, I think about 2012, I sort of knocked on his door and I was like, Hey, can you be my trainer? And he's like, sure. You know, that sort of guy. And I feel like it was just fate because he's like a, a scientist. He sort of really understands the body, how to um, get the best out of it. And he knows how to train different people at different periods in their life. So he knew how to train me when I was, you know, young and sprightly and professional athlete, all of that sort of stuff. But he also knew how to train me before I really fully embarked on this as a single mum, 40 years old, way overweight. And then when I sort of said to him, look, I, I'm really unhappy with my body the way it is. And I, you know, I want to, I want to see sort of where I can take it, like in terms of how fit I can get. I was playing mixed basketball as well for a little period of time last year with some friends just in Albury. And, you know, my knee would just blow up epically, you know, and it, it got to the point where it was like, I really actually can't do this unless I get strong. So I went to Shannon and I just said to him, look, if I want to get fit, I want to be able to play like even at that level without, you know, having my knee blow up, having my back flare up. And he was like, right, well, you need to be consistent and we'll start from scratch. We'll, you know, and he did like he, I mean, there's sort of footage from me um, beginning this process and honestly I was just so unfit and it has been day by day and I was consistent with it and right from day dot it was just about strength work you know like get my body as strong as I can possibly get it for the first six weeks so I really just did weight training and a couple maybe one conditioning session a week but it was just like full-on weight training to get my strength up and then at that six-week period, that's when I started shooting some hoops and just getting out on the court and, you know, sort of seeing how that felt. And my body didn't flare up. So I was able to sort of keep going with it. And um, I never, like, expected to get to that point, let alone 
signing a contract for Albury, then, you know, having the conversation about the Opals. And then now I've been in two camps, like, you know, the one in New York I actually got through. I never in my wildest dreams thought I could seven or eight days of basketball, just loading and impact work. And I got through it and it was just, it was hard, a little bit painful. But I think I'm a lot smarter too in the sense that like I wasn't out sort of walking around. I didn't go sightseeing. I was just literally at training and on my bed recovering or getting massages and physio and stuff like that. So it's a little different in the sense that I am super focused on, you know, getting my body strong and and keeping it as healthy as it can be. So just prioritizing what I do and don't do. What else are you doing for recovery? Uh, Well, I have a sauna at home and that's something that I just live live in. I um, absolutely love that. So that's been awesome. After games, I'm sort of in my pool, just ice bathing because it's freezing cold out there. It's we're in Aubrey. It's like shocking. Like it's basically an ice bath. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as I, um, you know, can get in that, I do. But like it's a regular sort of maintenance. It's my osteo sort of just working on everything weekly and like that. Just consistency, and that's been really the only thing that's got me here. You know, just consistent with my training, with my rehab, with everything that I'm doing with the recovery stuff. I've just been consistent. And that is, you know, on some days when I don't feel like, you know, really training hard or whatever, I do something, you know, I don't ever not do anything. I always do something. So I think that's been a real shift, you know, in my mentality and stuff as well. What was it pre getting into this routine that stopped you from that being consistent? Just the pain, you know, I'd Look, I think, you know, my story when I was an athlete was pretty well told. I definitely got into a cycle of painkillers, like to deal with pain and and inflammatories. And I was on a lot of really harsh medications. And when I retired and then had my kids, I'd made a choice that I wasn't ever going to go back down that road. Like I wasn't going to get caught in that cycle again, because I, once I stopped playing and retired and I actually had like clear sort of lane, I really was a different person. Like I felt like I must've been in a fog or something for a long time. I didn't feel like myself. So I had my children and, you know, I was pretty consumed with those, you know, early mother years and stuff. And I just didn't focus so much on my physical self. I think there was a lot of work I had to do emotionally to get back to a point where I felt as a, like a really strong, worthy human being. And, you know, at the end of my career, I was completely broken. So, you know, I I got to the point where I was like, right. Um, you know, emotionally, mentally, I'm really healthy. I feel good. I feel like a better person. I'm making better decisions, things like that. Now it's time to try and get my body back, so to speak. So I started training and it hurt so much. Like my knee would flare up, my hips, my back, like all the things that have plagued me my entire career, my Achilles, things like that, just that would flare up straight away. And, um, like I said, I couldn't actually get consistency because I'd go to the gym and then I wouldn't go back for another two weeks. And that's not going to be conducive to helping me get to where I wanted to get to. So after that, I, I went on a trial for medicinal cannabis. So I'd had a conversation with Sue Bird, my old mate from Seattle. She was advocating for it over there. And I, I had a real like honest conversation with her about it because she'd seen me through my career. She'd seen the issues that I'd had and she'd lived like, you know, she knows herself what, you know, what it takes. And she sort of recommended it and I, I gave it a crack. You know, I, I called a GP, had a conversation um, and then I tried it first and look, it lasted. I stayed on it for a couple of months. It was great and everything, but it is quite expensive. So at that point, COVID had hit and I, 
you know, work, there was a lot of like unknowns and with the kids and everything, I just sort of let it go and didn't think about it. And then there was an opportunity with Levin Health to go on this medical trial. And I went on it about, I think maybe July or August last year. And honestly, I felt so much better. It's not so much the pain, like stopping pain. It's more the recovery. So it was more the anti-inflammatory, sorry, the anti-inflammatory properties that stopped my knee from flaring up the way that it had been flaring up. And it gave me the opportunity to be consistent in the gym. So that, like, and a lot of people sort of ask me, well, what does it actually do? And I was like, well, that's it. Like it stopped my knee from swelling up, you know, and it didn't give me stomach ulcers. Fantastic. And then the swelling, obviously, it was an issue, like it causes pain, you know, and then obviously you keep trying, it gets worse, things like that. So that's it, it was very good for for that for me and then I had to go off it I think in March because I started playing at a in this national competition with Aubrey and um the TUE I have applied for a TUE and so I'm waiting I'm still waiting with that happening now is are you finding though that all the other things you're doing like with that strength training has actually helped anyway as well yeah Look, if I hadn't have done that strength training and given myself the base in that first period of time, there's no way I would be here right now. There's absolutely no way. And still to this day, my strength training is probably my number one priority above all else. Like even training on the court, it's like if I can't get my weight sessions in and like do my rehab and or prehab, whatever you want to call it, it's which is just leg press and trying to strengthen. I yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be here. Now, you mentioned too that before you got into this, committing to your fitness routine, building yourself up, the mental, emotional side was big. I was wondering, what are you doing at the moment to look after your mental well-being? Well, truly, it's different now. You know, I think um, when I had the kids, it just changed my perspective on life. And look, I have a job. I'm adulting. I'm full adulting. Whereas I think, you know, back when I was a professional athlete, I... um, probably didn't have the same perspective. You know, I tell people this story all the time, but like throughout my career, I always felt like I was looking for something more. I felt like there was always a hole in my stomach. There was always something I was searching for. And the minute I saw my first son, I was like, it's gone. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with me, you know? And that moment has just changed my life completely. And I think for me personally, being, I was, I feel like I was meant to be a mother. I feel like that being able to give, all of me to to those two little boys is all I ever really needed or wanted. I don't know. For me, that's how it feels. Maybe it's not the same for other people. Maybe, you know, some people are content their whole lives, you know. But for me, I wasn't. There was something that was eating me for so long. But, yeah, the minute I saw my first, my first child, I was just like, ah, fine, I have no idea what that is. So I haven't really had to work that hard. It's It's more just... I don't know, that love and something. It's knowing that I have to be the best version of myself for those children. I think that's that sort of trumps everything, you know. And so what then helped you back in the past? I guess so for anyone listening who might need an example of what else, what they could do themselves if they're feeling like they, you know, want to rebuild themselves mentally and emotionally. Look, there were different sort of strategies along the way. I mean, obviously I had professional help as well. So, and I did take antidepressants for a period of time. I was on like anxiety medication and things like that. But I think, you know, when I made an effort to start studying again, go back to university, like find different passions outside of basketball, I felt a lot better. Like being able to give myself to something and focus on something that wasn't related to 
what I was living and breathing and the pressures of being a professional athlete and traveling and everything. So anything that could sort of take my mind off that, you know, when I was younger, I probably had some pretty bad habits that I was feeding into. But like, as I got older, I sort of started to realize that it wasn't sustainable. And, you know, I needed to find something else that I was that I could be passionate in, or even if I wasn't passionate in it, it's something that could still motivate me to better um, a part of me, you know, and, and so that's probably university was a big one. And then, you know, after, after I retired, it was getting a job and trying to sort of, I don't know, just taking every opportunity that came my way, regardless of whether I was passionate about it or not. I just, I tried to upskill and give myself the best opportunity to um, be able to provide for the kids in the future. So yeah, it's that, again, it kind of feels like that theme of, you know, taking it one step at a time. Yeah, it is. And that's sort of how I've lived my whole life. You know, I think I've always had sort of apprehension about doing new things and going overseas and traveling and stuff. But I found that you just take one step at a time. You just got to, you've got to take, have the courage to take that step, but then you just got to go with it, you know, and, and things tend to work out. Um, even if it doesn't feel like it in the moment, it, you know. Yeah. Now with the World Cup coming up this year in Sydney, it's so exciting. How significant is it to have the tournament in front of a home crowd? And what are you most excited for? Oh, look, I think, you know, having the World Cup here is, it's magic. I, I was 94. What it actually did for the next generations of basketballers was it was enormous, you know, it really paved the way for, for my generation um, and for what we were able to achieve. I think just the visibility, being able to see the superstars in action and um, it, it inspired, you know, my generation coming through. So, you know, it's a long time since then, it's what, 20, 30 years almost. It, it's time, you know, it's time for a whole new generation of kids to be inspired by this. And I think the world's changed, you know, with social media. It's a, a global village now. So, it, yeah, it's it, amazing um, just the reach that, you know, the World Cup can have in Sydney. And, yeah, it's it's a really exciting time. But, yeah, it's, I think just the kids being able to see us compete out there and um, all their heroes, you know, there's people coming from all over the world to play. Um, so it'll be fun. It'll be awesome. Now, you were a huge part of the Opals winning the title in 2006. How does that um, rank in your career highlights? Well, look, you know, representing Australia has always been, for me, number one. You know, obviously I had a great career in America. I was able to achieve some great stuff over there. And, and some of those memories will be some of my fondest for the rest of my life. But the World Cup gold, <laughs> Like that, you know, you can't really go past that. I had some great times representing Australia. You know, Sydney 2000 was so special. Uh, I think London was a really special Olympics for me as well. But, um, you know, a World Cup gold is, is, you know, right up there for sure. You are a role model to lots of Aussies. What does that mean to you? Being a role model? Um, you know, when I was young, I hated that. Like I hated people saying, oh, you're a role model. You have to behave. You've got to act this way and do this. And it's different now. Being a role model, I, I look at my kids and I think, well, being a mum is being, a, you know, like being, you want to model behaviours that you want your kids to, I guess, get and have those behaviours. Right now, like I feel that's really important. I am by far a very flawed human being you know there's I make really bad decisions I you know like all of us we've all got our things right but 
I just do the best that I can. And I think the lesson in that is, is that you, you've got to be yourself and you've got to find your way through, you know, this, this crazy thing called life. And, um, it's for me, I I love, I've made, like I said, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but it's led me to this point where again, I feel very content. I've sort of got my life on track. I've got two beautiful kids. I've got a beautiful family. Like I, I just feel so blessed, not in the biblical sense. I feel very lucky to, um, to be where I am. So yeah, I think being a role model is it's, I'm just, again, trying to be the best version of myself. And like I said, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life and done a lot of things that, you know, I wouldn't want people finding out about, but in the same breath that would, I wouldn't be me if I hadn't done them and I wouldn't have got to this point here today. So, yeah. And like you say too, everyone has those things, right? And it's crazy that when we talk, speak of role models, that what you alluded to earlier is kind of like we expect them to be perfect in every single way when as humans we are not. So I think you setting the example of, you know, learning from your, like you said, you learn from your past, you do, you're doing, you're being the best person you can be. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, I, look, I, like I said, it's, it's every one of us, we're a work in progress and it's a battle. Like life is hard. People have got things that they have to go through and it's just, Sometimes it's really, really difficult to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel. But I think so long as you're doing what you can to be the best version of yourself, you know, that's all you can ask. And so that's all I'm really doing at the moment. I don't want, you know, like I, that's just who I am. That's all the energy I have right now. Now I know you are taking it one day at a time, but I just wondered, what do you think the future does hold for you? Well, I've still got my job. So I work with Basketball Australia. So that's, I love my job. We're launching something really exciting in the coming weeks, which is something that I've just spent my last nine months working on just tirelessly. Are you able to tell us what it is or is this on the down low for now? It's on the down low. We're launching in September. Um, You'll find out about it. It's going to be big. And uh, look, I think, you know, my kids just, this is what I have in my future. Um, I don't know how long I'll be in the game for. It's, Again, day by day, um, I can't sort of look too far ahead, but, you know, as long as my body holds out, I'm going to try and be on the court. And look, it's a massive sacrifice for my parents to make as well, like helping me out with the kids. And that's the one thing, like getting back from New York, I was just like, I can't be away from them like this. Like they, I need to be with them. But in the same breath, they're with their grandparents. We're neighbors. They've, it's easy. So I'm really, really lucky. You know, I've had my parents just supporting me through this and, yeah, my kids are just little legends, so it's good. How old are your kids now? Uh, five and three. Oh, nice. Still quite little. Oh, they are little, yeah. They are very little, but they're beautiful and they know what's going on. Like Harry, my oldest, he sort of, he knows what's going on. So he's very supportive. He loves the game. He loves watching it. He loves being on the bench when we travel. He, you know, sits on the bench with the coaches and stuff. So he's... Oh, that's so cute. He loves it. Oh, nice. I have an 18-month-old and she's like just starting to we're starting to converse and she's starting to understand more which is so it's really fun so I can imagine how cool it would be for your son to be on the bench while you're playing he loves it my youngest I can't take him on the bench because he's got a completely different personality and he won't sit still for (laughs) he'd be out in the court he'd be chasing me down yeah no Uh, all right. So to finish off, I've got uh, five quick fire questions for you. So the first thing that comes to mind, what's your go-to energy snack? Probably like tuna. Tuna? Yeah. It's a random one. I Tuna, tuna and rice. Yep. Love it. 
Nice. The song or artist that always boosts your workout? Oh, God. This so- I've got a very diverse range in music, but I'd have to say um, probably Stevie Nicks. She's my sort of – I know it's not like doof doof, but <laughs> it just gets me going. I love her. I know. I like that. What my favorite karaoke song to sing at the moment is, is it called The Age of 17? Oh yeah. Um, yeah Edge of 17. Yeah. The Edge of 17. I still haven't mastered that one. <laughs> um, what's your perfect weekend or day off? Uh, probably just getting in the car and taking the kids up to the mountains or going to a pub somewhere up, you know, we've got so many beautiful areas around, around Aubrey Wodonga. So, you know, up in the snow country and everything. So like, just heading up to the farms and up to the mountains. It's beautiful. Sounds lovely. And then finally, what are three words for how your friends or family would describe you? Um, probably loyal, I would say. Um, driven, maybe. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know. I really don't know. Tall. Very tall. Tall. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Lauren. You've been such a great, been such a great conversation and really, yeah, really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Not a problem. Thank you very much for having me. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted and produced by me, Lisa Gabilagan, with additional sound editing by Abby Williams. For more from us, pick up a copy of our latest issue with Ezzy Magbegor on the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us on womenshealth.com.au and follow us on Instagram at womenshealthaus. Thank you. We'll see you next time.